0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment and I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So David, non null, how are you doing? Nullable. <laughs> this has been my day
1: non null for a very long time nullable.
0: I would say I could rate I could rate my day as a um, let's see a, maybe a, probably an 8 CG float out of 10 CG float. Um,
1: <laughs> but can you cast that to a double? <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: Oh, only explicitly. Um, (laughs) Oh, oh, you've been having fun in Swift. I am in deep. I'm in very deep now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is uh, I. I I have unfond memories of maybe three or four years ago, where this was my life of just like going crazy with learning Swift and getting getting used to all of its very opinionated feelings. um, You know that you just have to. Like, some of them I found that, you know, I was doing it wrong, and by doing it right, it was easier. But many of them, you're just like, nope, that's just how Swift is. It really doesn't want to think that a CG float is a double, and a double is a CG float, even though for almost any situation, they're totally fine to be the same.
1: So, yeah, so my, you know, few years old iMac Pro is really not happy that I've switched to Swift. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: And SwiftUI at that. Like. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, every, like, my, you know, my fan problem is back where now I'm hearing the fan frequently. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's revving up and, and, uh, and it's, yeah, the, the, everything I'm doing is, like, crushing this computer and I'm hitting all the problems of, like, sometimes autocomplete, just, dies for a while or sometimes i get bizarre error messages that make no sense but if i clean the build folder and rebuild or relaunch xcode the messages go away (laughs) and i'm hitting all those rough edges that swift programmers have been hitting for you know five years or whatever it's been
0: (laughs) Because really who who needs a build process that's repeatable you don't want that no it's nice to have a build process where every time you run it sometimes you get different reactions yeah like and i love the
1: problems that I now have, you know, things like, like I'm having to pay attention to build times for the first time in years because Swift just builds so incredibly slowly compared to objective C that it's like, I never really thought about my build time before. I, and I, I thought for, you know, most of my career so far, my computer is fast enough to be my development machine. (laughs) And all that's out the window with Swift. And, and it's, especially with Swift UI, as you said, and, and the, performance and error messaging and diagnostic messaging. Like I frequently hit that error message in Swift UI where it says something along the lines of like, we can't evaluate this in reasonable time. Yeah. Like
0: just sorry. Consider, and, consider breaking this expression into simpler, exp- into sub expression. Yep,
1: that's the one. And, I, and like I, that that makes me infuriated. And also it makes me smile every time. Cause I'm like, that's, I love how ridiculous this, <laughs> this message is. <laughs> so this is where I am. I, I took your advice and I decided to rewrite my entire watch app UI in Swift UI. And so far, I, I don't regret
0: that decision. That's good. I like, when you said the moment, I was like, hopefully, it's like, we still have a show, right? This isn't the... <laughs> yeah, we can still be friends. I, I took I took your advice, <laughs> and now this is the final episode of Under the Radar. I'm never speaking to you ever again. I can't believe you did this to me. No, so it's... I'm very glad I'm, I'm in this world and learning this world. And,
1: and of course all these Swift UI skills will come in handy when I do soon tackle the widget uh, for the iOS app. Yeah. Um, And it's again, part of the reason why I'm doing this. Uh, But having to learn Swift UI is, is first of all, the learning resources out there are still terrible because it's such a young uh, language slash framework slash method of even thinking about things like it's so young and it changes so frequently you know, similar to the early days of Swift that a lot of the tutorials or sample code or stack overflow answers that are out there are no longer even correct because something has changed since when they were written last year and now and or they, you know, the, the answer was posted like during a beta and then later in, in a later beta, even that same year, like the name of a class changed or the way you're supposed to do something changed. And it's so early still. This is this is a time when you really feel how much we need better documentation support from Apple. Like one of the great things I, I'm, I'm going to annoy so many people right now. One of the great things about PHP <laughs> is that PHP has always had exceptional documentation on its website on php.net you search for any any function you know and in editors build in hotkeys so like you know in textmate i can hit Control h and it pops up a documentation window from php.net about whatever function name I, I have my cursor on at that moment and there's always been great documentation there because on the documentation pages on in almost every function in the language which is a lot uh there are example code snippets on the documentation page and there's comments and so even if the example code doesn't quite get somewhere for you or doesn't answer a question you have, the comments usually do. And this is something that I really wish Apple's documentation would have like, these little like, usage examples, uh, because they really can help explain and show better than just a pure API reference how to do something or what a function is for. And as we move into the land of Swift UI. And, and combine uh, and, and all of these, you know, kind of higher level concepts, you know, a little more complicated things. This is also going to apply similarly once once Swift gets its whole async await thing, um, you know, presumably in a year or two. Uh, it becomes harder to understand a lot of these concepts because they're so abstract and they have they have really simple sounding names and it's really hard to tell what this does, how to use it, and so we all end up having to go to, like, Stack Overflow and stuff and, and tutorial blogs and things because Apple's own documentation, when it's even there, which is a big when, uh, is so, like, bare bones and minimal. It's like, Johnny, I've designed it. Like, there's... <laughs> it's a there's, big white room. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a big white empty page. And it's like, here, you know, this, this type is to do this one thing. And then there's no other context. There's no example of showing like well when would you use this how do you use this do you call this in you know a certain way like as a constructor or whatever like there's you you can get so much value out of those little tiny snippets on documentation pages like what php does of like here's a four-line example of how to use this thing and i wish for that so much as i'm learning this stuff because i i'm i'm seeing you know this and and i would imagine this is how beginners see almost all parts of programming and and because I am such a beginner at Swift and Swift UI and at these concepts that Swift UI is is built upon. I'm I'm seeing what it's like to be a beginner for the first time in a while. And it really I, I would benefit so much from just better documentation and then and to have, presumably at Apple, to have like a, a pretty strong effort to not only write the documentation, but then to update the documentation as the language changes. Because this is this is the problem when you have the, these young languages that are greatly in flux, uh, or or young frameworks that are greatly in flux. That if you're relying on tutorial blog posts and Stack Overflow answers, well, those go out of date pretty fast. As I was saying earlier, and so it's right like it's nobody's full time job at Apple to make sure that. Like, all these tutorial blog posts out there can be updated uh, when the language changes, so they mostly just yeah. aren't. Or, you know, some of them are, some of them aren't, and it's hard to know what you're going to land on when you find it. And even then, like, Swift UI, for, for as, as cool as it is and as much attention as it's gotten from, like, language nerds over the last year, there is very little out there about it. There's very, very little. And there's even less out there that goes beyond trivial use cases. So for instance, if you have to make a tech demo with Swift UI and you have to you know have, have a, a button state that changes and increments a number or whatever, great. There's, there's a million blog posts out there about that. But then once it's like, okay, how do I uh, tie this into the rest of an app? That's a real app that's like you know has actual needs like persistence storage, like different screens and everything. like once you once you add the complexity of real world apps, most of the tutorials can't cover that or don't cover that and so like i've had I've had such a time dave i've had such a time trying to adopt swift ui from these like trivial little tutorials that people have or that apple has you know, in WWDC sessions to try to actually build like okay well great how do i connect that to my database you know or how do i connect that to my downloader or my sync engine like there's there's been so much of that, and I I think I finally got it, but man, is it non-trivial and non-obvious. And there's so many weird little pitfalls. Like <laughs> I don't know how how, how did you find because you know you came to it as well with having like existing app bases. I mean, have you have you integrated SwiftUI into into apps that didn't start with it, or have you only done like clean rooms, you know, start from zero versions of SwiftUI?
0: So I. I've done it both ways. Um, I think I started doing SwiftUI in essentially more clean room environments in the sense that it was either on the watch, which even if some of my watch stuff integrated with existing other infrastructure, like on the watch itself, it was fairly standalone. Um, Or what I've started to do now is... Use some of the UI kit bridging stuff. And so, like in Sleepless Plus, I added a bunch of new graphs recently. And I built the graphs in Swift UI, but they're just like UI views for the app's purpose. And so, like, it's fairly uh, sort of separated from each other. But no, I absolutely feel your pain, though. Like, it is. It's I think what's so frustrating to me about this is that it seems like there are a couple of really tremendous Swift UI resources on, online. Like I mean for me I think it's Hacking with Swift by Paul Hudson is like 80% of my Swift UI knowledge has come from his site and from his videos. Like he has this tremendous like he he has this this great sort of process where he'll he'll make these videos that show you one level beyond the trivial example which you end up with something that is like it's like trivial plus it's not a full blown example it's not the some situation like there's still those rough edges that you're you're talking about where i definitely continue to run into that where it's like i want to do something a little bit more than the obvious case and then it like every it's like you're jumping off this cliff and it's like ah, good luck you know it's that that happens but i've done a lot of learning there and it's like i remember back at the beginning of uh of of this the spring i remember there were a couple of like the educators in the Apple community, like people who typically are kind of on the conference circuit, they you know speak at a lot of the conferences and do workshops and educators like that who were saying, it's like, you know what, we're not going to be able to travel for almost all of 2020, it seems. We're not going to be able to do conferences. We're not going to be able to do a lot of things. Hey, Apple, there's a lot of really talented educators in your community who have a lot of spare time. You know, it'd be a great thing if you took advantage of that. And it's kind of sad that it, now that we're sort of towards the end of the year and it doesn't seem like they did. Like, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of movement on that to leverage all of these people who are excellent at explaining things, of creating example apps, of sort of doing this, this work in a way that... Um, would help people in your circumstance and my circumstance. And I mean, I I really feel for the people who are coming at Swift UI without like decades of programming experience. Like if you, if you're, this is the first app you're learning, like some, some ways it's easy ish. Like there are certain aspects, like there, a really basic Swift UI app is really easier to build probably than a, like the most basic UI kit app. But as soon as you start getting beyond that, it gets so complicated so quickly. And yeah, like I, it's like, and I also think of how what's so difficult with documentation is how the the, the, the people who are best able to make documentation for a new platform are the people who make the platform because they can work on the documentation and have it available at the beginning of the process of it being released rather than having like, I feel bad for all the like the Apple tech sort of educators who, um, you know, a new uh, you know a new SDK drops, a new beta releases, and then they're just like you know not sleeping for three days trying to frantically update all their stuff, get get the new stuff covered. Like, and they do a great job, and I appreciate it. But it's like this doesn't have to be frantic. This could be something where the the documentation team at Apple has been working on this in concert with the people writing the APIs for months, and so on day one. Here's a great set of examples and uh, sort of show code about how to use this because I think you're exactly right. Especially SwiftUI, the nature of it is the traditional documentation where you're just like if you go to the doc, like the sort of the documentation for text in SwiftUI, like the text um, modifier or view, like the number of different modifiers you can apply to that view is, is probably in the hundreds, if not more. But having just this gigantic list of all the things you could possibly ever do to a, te- a text isn't helpful. What you want to see is it's like, okay, what, how, do I do, you know, how do I do text that looks like this? Or what if I want multi-line text? Or what if I want multi-line text that has only this many lines and then is aligned in the middle? Like doing that kind of stuff, you need examples. You need, and I don't think the total number of cases that people actually use is that wide. But yeah, it's. I, I feel your pain. I mean, I'm i glad it seems like you've kind of crossed over the, the that midpoint. Because I remember there was this point in my Swift UI experience where I went from like feeling like I was just constantly banging my head against the wall to, I guess maybe my head broke through the wall and I may have had a, like <laughs> I may have had a headache, but at least I could like see through to the other side.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm bleeding. <laughs> I have to go to the hospital, but I've made
0: it through. But you've made it through. And like, it sounds like hopefully maybe you're kind of on that point. Cause I do remember that there was this point where like, it's this now I know when I hit a problem in Swift UI, I know the direction I need to go to fix it. And I don't always necessarily know the answer, but I know it's like, okay, this is probably going to be this kind of modifier or this kind of problem. Like when my layout gets all crazy, it's like, okay, I have a strategy. I'm going to put like one pixel borders around everything and then be able to work out, you know, where my problem was. But. The initial phase is rough, and I'm, I'm sorry that I sent you on that path, though hopefully you have now learned and it can be a benefit to you in the future. <laughs> we are brought to you this week by Pingdom from
1: SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing is, They'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on their browser, device, and platform they use, so you want to identify how they're experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to those who matter most. And real user monitoring from Pingdom is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code RADAR at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Once again, Pingdom.com slash relay FM code radar for 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things I'm facing as I as I dive more into Swift UI is like I I I hit that like that dangerous, like probably toxic point where I'm like, you know, it would be a lot easier to write the UI for this component if I rewrote that component in Swift. Yeah, and I'm fi- and I'm having to exercise a, a good degree of self control to avoid the impulse to rewrite massive parts of my app in Swift. Sure. and I'm mostly losing that battle. Uh, <laughs> I have been rewriting massive parts of my app in Swift, <laughs> uh, and not you know not like not lines of code wise massive, but just like lots of classes. You know, things like I mentioned earlier, my downloader. I rewrote my downloader for the first time in years. Uh. Because it's easier for it to be in Swift, and I took the opportunity, thinking like, you know, well, actually, I, my old downloader has a couple of little weird edge case bugs, and it has a bunch of like workarounds for old OS bugs that are that no longer are needed. Um, sure. And so, like, you know, the new one could be simpler. Why don't I rewrite it? And I did, and and it, you know, it ends up at the end of the day, like it's fine, but that cost you know, that cost me like two days to, to rewrite that class and to do it right and to test it and, and everything, and and so. I, I do have this, this kind of dilemma almost every day. Like when I, when I run into a component that is written in Objective-C that I'm trying to interact with from Swift, nullable, non-null. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, from Swift! Exclamation <laughs> <laughs> point! Uh, then, you know, I, I do hit that dilemma a lot. And usually rewriting code that is working is not a good idea. But there's also benefits to modernization, like being able to simplify and have less to maintain and you know, and possibly fix some old bugs in the process. On the other hand, you run the risk of unfixing old bug fixes by rewriting new code, and then you have to basically fix the same bugs that you fixed six years ago over again over the next few months. How, I mean, how do you – you seem like you're more pragmatic and disciplined than I am in most ways in life. How How do you – balance that or make the decision like whether you are dealing with your old code and just you know wrapping around it or using it you know from swift or whatever or do you like how do you rewrite and decide when to rewrite
0: so i think the honest answer to the is it's not at all helpful to you is that i rather than rewriting my old apps i just keep making new apps (laughs) That's, a, that's an easy strategy to get around this particular problem. Is, is you, as soon as you you, know, you, you you have this nice old Objective-C code base, that's fine. Just leave it there and just write a new app. Yeah. Um, I don't want to clean the kitchen. Let's get a new house. Exactly. That, that is, I am in, I'm the get, get a new house version of uh, app development. But there are a few of my apps that I've had to make this choice in. And I think it is a really tough line. And I think what I, the, the general approach that I take is if I, if I can write a Swift wrapper... That is relatively straightforward for an Objective-C thing. Um, that is my first, sort of the first thing that I tend to do. Um, I found that that has worked pretty well in general, where I can take some behavior, some sort of in some ways is what I was saying with, you know, I, I wanted to use Swift UI for my U, UI of these new graphs, and so I just like built a little... Sort of UI kit wrapper that goes around them, and I can use it. Kind of create this clean, this clean boundary between the two worlds. Um, that works better, and I think that's a that's a that's a very pragmatic solution. That ultimately, like, you're ending up with this unnecessary, like, not it's like now you have the code is sort of you have the, the new code, you have the code that is the adapter between the old code and the new code, and then you have the old code, and that's not great. Necessarily going forward, and I think ultimately the line is going to come for me, and it's usually this place of: is this a piece of code that I expect to continue to be working in and on for the foreseeable future, or is this a piece of code that I'm kind of—it just exists, and I don't expect to ever change it or touch it. Um, I'm not; it's not the kind of part of the app that is really something that's going to. Change or get better by being in Swift. Like there are some things that I think when I've rewritten them from Objective C into Swift, they are just better in terms of the, it's a it's a more uh, like certain concepts Swift is really expressive at ex- at sort of expressing in, in in itself in a way that is more awkward like in, in Objective C. And so when I'm doing those kinds of things, like that's really i, I like it'll benefit from it. Then maybe, but generally. It's like, unless I'm really going to be in there back and forth, I just try and avoid it, I think. And I think I do find that if anything, there's some like workflow things that I do that I think you might be running into now of usually I try and do all of my Objective-C work kind of in a day and my Swift work in a different day. Uh, going back and forth and context switching between the two is really bad for your like sanity because... All, there's so many things about them that are subtly different, slightly <laughs> sort of the same, but not the same, um, that I find going back and forth is where I would really get frustrated. And that would push me over the edge and be like, okay, I'm, that's it. I'm just going to write it all in, in Swift. Um, so a little bit of just trying to – obviously, you're in the middle of this like architectural change, and so it's awkward. But it, in general, if you can decide – if you know, try and, if this, if, if this is not something you're going to ever touch again or expect to need to keep working in, maybe leave it as Objective-C. Consider maybe writing a, a wrapper around it if you can. Um, that's often really helpful. And then otherwise, I mean, sometimes you just got to go for it and you just rewrite it and um, it's fine. And I, I will say as much as there is the, like the, the big rewrite is often really problematic. The small rewrite, like if you're just rewriting a function, or a small data type or something like that those kind of rewrites in my experience if, if you're an experienced developer you can do relatively safely without introducing massive new bugs or big problems um, because you can limit the scope of what you're doing it's when you start to be like okay i'm going to like in i'm thinking in overcast if you're like okay i'm going to rebuild the entire now playing screen in swift it's like okay That's probably going to be like weeks and months of work (laughs) to get it back to where it was because there's so many little behaviors and little nuances in that because it's such a big, important, like expansive part of your app. That's not a great place to spend it. But if you were going to rewrite the, like when you rewrote your downloader in Swift, if you also wanted to rewrite the download management screen in Swift, yeah. Probably okay. It's relatively simple, it doesn't have a huge surface area like that's the kind of thing that you might It probably isn't worth it, but that would be an area where like if you were in the new world where say we have um you know a different concurrency dynamics and things, and so it would be cleaner and simpler to have that u i even be like it's in swift u i so that it can tie into um like the combine event system uh, more cleanly like that seems like a good place for it but yeah, it's definitely an, an element where it's like every time you th- you have that instinct, it's like, take, take a second, take a deep breath, go for a walk on the beach, come back. If you still feel like doing it, do it, but <laughs> do, don't do it without giving it some thoughts. That's wise.
1: I'm trying to make the decision of, you know, whether and when to rewrite. I'm trying to make it a little bit pragmatically, like, you know, an isolated component like a downloader it's It's a big deal in the sense that that's a very important component and it was very tricky and it took me years to get it right because the background download system was so buggy and so weird at first. Fortunately, most of that's been worked out, or at least I yeah. figured out the right error codes to look for. Sure. <laughs> but um, but you know like some of it is like code that touches everything. Like one of the biggest decisions I had to make and I'm still kind of making is like what do I do with my model layer? it's so my model layer is this package i wrote called fc model it's open source and just last night i finally got it to be correctly bridged to be observable objects and so now i can use any fc model class correctly from swift ui and it will correctly update and that took this horrible hack using uh, associated objects with objective c runtime like it's it's a terrible hack but it works and sure. so i like you know it took me a couple of weeks to figure out how to correctly do this? Um, I, I was bitten by a weird thing for a while, where like it, again, this is this is just like an example of why I was so resistant to come over to Swift for so long. I knew like I was it, it, the, when you set an associated object, you have to give it some kind of pointer to be like the key to associate, and I was I would just give it the same string on on both things because you have to like you know on the set and the get you have to give it the same pointer to to get the object back. And I there's this implementation detail of the C and Objective-C compiler where if you have the same string literal more than once in a module, typically that only makes one instance of it, and so it points to the same pointer. Sure. And in Swift, that apparently is not necessarily that way. And so I had this crazy hard-to-find bug that the set and the get, while they were using the same string literal as the pointer, were not actually getting the same pointer to both. And I had to learn about this this method called static string or this type static string, that's oh, especially in Swift. And and then and now I'm just taking the address of a static uh, instance of it, so it doesn't even matter what it is. But like there there's just things like that, where like I have all this institutional knowledge of using C and, and Objective C for so long that I, I can think about implementation details like that, and and kind of, that becomes like a basis of my knowledge. And as I'm working. And that, that allows me to do things, you know, with a certain degree of proficiency and bug avoidance and, and elegance sometimes. And I just don't have that with Swift yet. And it's, that's going to take years to build up. And that's like, that's the kind of thing that it's hard for me to throw that away lightly. Like that's, that's not a decision to take lightly. And that's why it took me so long to make this decision. Cause now I have to like, as I'm writing low level framework code, like working on FC model, interacting with Swift, I have to make sure I'm doing things correctly and and like when it's just me here i don't have anyone else to check my code really or to to learn that much from or to be able to tell me like hey you know what that actually doesn't work the way you think it does in swift so i just kind of have to learn all this myself and so the idea of changing languages and platforms and throwing away you know a decade of knowledge with one is is hard to do and and i'm i'm hitting all that friction now
0: yeah and i think and I really feel for you. Like I've gone through all of the uh, so much of this myself, and I feel like there's so many of these things that are. The unfortunate reality is there's It's kind of inescapable, though. Like it, it, I feel like in the last few years, Apple has been very clear that they are, they are heading in a, in a swift and Swift UI direction, and that is where all the new stuff is going to go. That is where all of the like, er, all of the, the their energy seems to be heading in that direction. I think it's appropriate for them to do that, and it's one of those. If you had, if you if you weren't going through this pain now, I feel like every year that you you did you put it off from now on, it's going to start. It's like it would be sort of growing by doubling every year. That like you're getting, you know, ten pain this year, and next year it would be um, twenty pain, and then a forty pain, and then you know eighty pain. Like it would just keep getting worse and worse. Because the distance and the gaps between what you're, the old way that you know how to do it and the new way is only getting bigger, and so I feel for you, I'm sorry you haven't st- to go through it all now, but I think you've done the right thing in sort of tackling it now and now c- continuing to put it off uh, indefinitely.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Non null. and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.